Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest I'm excited to have on, uh, Mandy Harvey. Uh, she uh, She's given a talk, many talks. I said a talk. She's given a lot of talks about the doubt cure, how to deal with the unspoken issue everyday business owners faces that silently sabotages them and holds them back from showing up fully in their business. Now, I know what some of y'all think. You're like, Leo, I thought this was a uh, suicide prevention uh, podcast. I know this is going to be like a business TED Talk. Let me tell you something. (laughs) You don't even understand the number of emails that I receive from people who go, all right, Leo, your podcast has saved my life. I'm here. But now I, I don't know how to thrive, though. I need more episodes on how to thrive. So that's why we brought in Mandy Harvey. For those of you who have struggled with trauma, who struggled with a, a background of, of despair and, and, and limiting beliefs, and you, you, you said, you know what? I want to live another day. And now that you're here, you're like, all right, now what do I do while I'm here? So welcome to the podcast, Mandy Harvey. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here with you. Man, let's let's hop right into it because I'm excited about, you know, I watched the talks and one of the things that you talk about is achieving more through emotional mastery. And this resonates so much. We always talk about emotions and it was, even I was like, man, am I just drinking a Kool-Aid? Like how big are emotions in this? I've been playing this this game on my cell phone called the NeuroTracker. And it's, again, mm. it's like 10 balls that bounce around and uh, four of them light up and then they start bouncing around. And you got to after they stop bouncing, you got to figure out you have to remember and point out which four of those balls were yours after they've been all jumbled up. And what I found is if I get too excited about uh, locating all four balls or if I get too down on myself because I got three out of the four, didn't get any of them it messes, then it affects my next round of play. And so learning how to stay calm and mastering my emotions, I'm like, oh, my score has improved dramatically. I'm like, where else in my life am I getting too excited or or too down? And it's Mm. messing up the next day. So, you know, I definitely want you to, to talk to us more about this emotional mastery and, 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 and how to embrace our emotional complexity, Mandy Harvey. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? We, uh, many of us grow up thinking emotions are good or bad. And, and we grow up thinking, um, I can only express a certain emotion. Otherwise I might be judged. I might be criticized. It would be too embarrassing. Uh, that level of vulnerability feels maybe scary or overwhelming. So we really, uh, what I have seen is we tend to limit the emotions that we're willing to see as acceptable and reasonable to feel. And we operate our lives. We go to work, we, you know, have partners or spouses or families and kids And we live our lives in these very limited spaces where we're only allowing a certain amount or a certain feeling or emotion, and we're trying to control that experience and um, 
trying to kind of shove away the other things that we might start to feel and then try and push down anger, frustration, um, sadness, grief, all the, all these other emotions that sometimes are seen as being negative or not helpful. I'm just going to hide them and push them away. The reality is we are very complex human beings. We are very complex in terms of our emotional capacities and our emotions in general. And by hiding them, we start to create inflammation, emotional inflammation in our bodies and that tension in our bodies tends to grow and grow. Emotions are kind of like mushrooms. (laughs) They grow really well in the dark. When we keep them in the dark, they start to grow and grow and grow until eventually there's an explosion or an overgrowth uh, with the mushrooms. Um, And then that tends to not feel so good. And we have to figure out what we have to pick our lives back up in that emotional um, explosion. Um, But if we learn how to uh, make friends with our emotional complexity, if we learn how to make friends with um, healing some of those emotions that might hold more of a trigger or more of a um, memory or a wound from the past, then when we are able to embrace all of them and utilize tools to help move us through the ones that maybe don't feel so great in the moment, we have more resilience. We have more capacity in our nervous systems. We have more capacity in our bodies to be able to navigate the ups and downs in life without being pulled down into the vortex of the emotion. I love that explanation. Uh, There's a few things I want to point out. And starting with the last thing you talked about was resilience. Because oftentimes when I think about resilience, I think about like, I can keep going no matter what. But it sounds like what you're saying is resilience is I can experience any kind of emotions. I can experience the hurt, the anger, the frustration, the despair, the I can I could experience the feeling of uncertainty and inadequacy and cope with that and alchemize it to then move forward versus this idea that I had a resilience like nothing affects me. I'm stoic. You can't hurt me. I'm not going to cry. Is that am I am I hearing that correctly? Yes, you are. That's 100 percent correct. So you talked about also suppressing emotions uh, like the anger and and fear and, you know, the grief. I found that I'm also suppressing, quote unquote, the positive emotions. Like sometimes I see a baby and I want to be like, oh, my God. And I go, Leo, man, don't know, grow, don't know, grown man, act like that when you see a baby. And I just talk, and there are times where I want to cry. Like I'm talking like yeah. middle school girl cry, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. You get a tear, but you ain't getting these sobs though. Yes. And so I, I, even the exhilaration, the joy, yes. like even joy, I'm like, I don't get too happy because yeah. you know, it's not going to last forever. What is that? Like, I can't even experience the high highs. No, it's very interesting, right? When we try to control the emotions we're feeling by suppressing some of them, we inadvertently are suppressed. You can't just pick one and say, I'm going to suppress anger. I don't want to feel anger or I don't want to feel grief or I don't want to feel sadness. So I'm just going to suppress these three. You can't pick and choose when we 
have emotions. We have emotions. So when we suppress one, we inadvertently suppress the other. So now all of a sudden we're dimming our entire emotional experience, even the joy, even the happiness, even the gratitude, or even the compassion. We are suppressing those at the same time that we're suppressing the, the ones that we don't really want to feel. I I think about my sister when I was younger, middle school, and oftentimes her and my mom would get into these arguments and my sister would Mm -hmm. say, I hate you. And then she would go and slam the door. Yeah. It is saying, I hate you. Or when anyone is saying, I hate, sorry, sister for for throwing you under the bus like that. Uh, But what are the emotions on like, do I really hate you when I'm saying that? Or what, what else is under there? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are, layers to our emotions, especially with anger at first anger, um, that might be that outburst. I hate you, but really, as you start to go underneath that anger, it's sadness or it's, uh, grief, or it's something else, um, related to sadness most often. Um, but there's a need that's not being met in that moment that initially is triggering that anger, but really the emotion that might be, you might be feeling is I don't feel seen, or I don't feel like you're hearing me, or I don't feel like you're valuing me. I don't feel important. Whatever that I don't feel is, has an emotion tied to that. So it could be sadness. It could be loneliness. It could be something different altogether, but anger usually is a great indicator that something is not being met, that some of one of my needs or more of my needs is not being met, but I don't necessarily, it's not that I hate you. That's just the outburst coming out really, as we dive deeper into the emotion, then we start to learn that actually I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling hurt or I'm feeling lonely or whatever it is. So in, in a relationship, uh, because, you know, most of my listeners aren't middle school girls, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a relationship, when we get upset and when, you know, one poor person storms out, it so- sounds like uh, what they are struggling to express is, I don't feel like you're seeing me or, or understanding me. Uh, is that where we could start that conversation off? or? Is there a, a more, uh, yeah, a, you understand the question? I'm asking. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There, there, it takes a lot of, um, vulnerability and courage to really look deeper beyond that anger and want to get curious about it. Um, yeah. So if we're in a relationship and someone and our partner does something or says something and we feel that anger first, I would encourage people uh, or invite people to notice where what's happening in their bodies. What does that anger feel like, or that initial uh, emotion feel like in their bodies? Where do they feel it? What's the sensation? You know, if it's anger, it might feel like my body's on fire. I might feel like my heart's beating really fast. Um, I might have a thought of like, oh, why don't they just listen or whatever that thought is. Um, But I would invite people to really get curious about their physical experience, the somatic experience, as well as the words, uh, the emotion that's coming up. And as we start to get curious, 
then I might invite them to ask, okay, what actually is underneath this? What need of mine is not being met as we just talked about? And then have the conversation from there. Once you have a better understanding, maybe you need to leave the room while you do this and kind of spend time with yourself before you have that conversation with your partner. But really the conversation with your partner is, you know, when you did X or when you said X, it really brought something up in me that um, all of a sudden I felt like I, you weren't seeing, I wasn't seen, or I felt like I wasn't important. And, um, you know, then you can have the conversation from there. The, the initial activation of that anger most likely will have dissipated once you have a better understanding of what's underneath it. But I would say this, um, you know, this can come up with children as well. Um, if I can, I I'll share a story. Oh yeah. (laughs) When, um, my youngest daughter was around five I had been I had been in therapy off and on for years because I had my own traumatic childhood and had been working over the years to repair and heal. And my youngest daughter has always been my um my teacher in terms of emotions. She was the one that was very expressive with her emotions. One minute she's so in joy that you could just, you smiled, your whole body smiled when you were around her, when she was in joy. And then, you know, it seemed like seconds later, she could be in anger and rage. And just from one spectrum to the other, she had this beautiful capacity to feel them all and express them. And it was very triggering for me because I had spent years suppressing my emotions, years trying to be perfect and not show anger, not show frustration. Um, And there was one, one time when she was around five, where she was having this epic temper tantrum, just screaming and yelling And I'm at the sink washing the dishes and my back is to her. And I can feel this fire starting in my feet and just rolling up my body to the top of my head. Now, I had never allowed myself to feel uh, anger at all in my entire life. Although I, you know, I had a lot of reasons to be angry. I suppressed that emotion. And in this moment, all of a sudden I'm feeling something in my body I've never felt before. And it was just this rage, this epic fire moving through my body and she's screaming and she won't stop. And she's screaming and screaming. And all of a sudden I feel that fire explode. And I turned around and screamed at her shut up, just shut up. And I had been washing a glass and I had the glass in my hand and I threw it at the floor at the bottom of her feet. And it shattered, of course, everywhere. And I saw the look in her face, which was fear. And all of a sudden she says, I'm so sorry. I'm a bad person. I didn't mean to upset you. And in that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be this parent that is just, you know, vomiting anger at my children. I want to be a parent who is compassionate, can be there for my children when they're so upset, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't be that way in my own emotional space. And that was the moment that I decided to go seek a different type of therapy and really 
understand what I was holding in my body. So that was the first moment. I didn't know exactly what was happening, but it was the first moment I remember being able to tie emotion to a sensation in my body and have a visceral reaction of like, oh my gosh, I feel this. There's something in my body I need to really care for. And over time, as I started to heal that and make uh, friends with my emotions and understand how to move through emotions in a way that built up my capacity and my resilience, my body. Now I can sit with her while she's having a temper tantrum or being super angry at me. And I can allow her the space to do that in a loving and compassionate way. And eventually she moves through it and comes back and we have a conversation about what happened and we move on. But I would never have been able to do that if it wasn't for that experience and understanding I was holding something in my body related to my emotions that held a memory that held many memories of places in which I chose to survive those through the uh, suppression or the repression of emotions. So emotions, uh, when we feel them coming up, aren't always just about this moment in time, this now moment of Oftentimes they are triggering something from the past, um, especially if they're a very um, intense experience, most likely it's triggering something from the past that really needs to be looked at and cared for. All right. We're definitely going to deep dive into all of that. <laughs> I do want to backtrack a little bit because earlier we were talking about expressing those moments when we don't feel seen or heard or understood. and you know, we talked about saying, I feel like I felt like I wasn't important or I don't feel like yeah. you're seeing me. W what happens if your partner goes, well, what do you want me to do about it? Is it is it up to the partner to then see you, understand you or because I, I can see in some heated situations where, you know, they're not they're not ready to see you or understand yeah. you. What do you do then? Because I can see a lot of people then trying to push through and being like, see, this is why. And then they, now they go right back into argument mode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ideally we want our partners to be able to hold space for us, to see us, to acknowledge, you know, our side of things, our, our emotions. However, we have to recognize that they're also having their own experience and they might be in a different place than where we are or where we desire to be. So we can't put the ownership on them to say, to be the one to help us in that situation, especially if maybe they're not in that, in that space yet. And so really it comes back to holding space for ourselves. So if we have that interaction, our partner says, what do you want me to do about this? You know, then that's an indication. They may not be ready to hold space for you. That doesn't make them good. That doesn't make them bad. That makes them, they're just at a different place in that moment. Maybe that will change and evolve. But in that moment, we just have to hold compassion for them that they're having their own experience. They're in their own space. So what that looks like is then you holding space for yourself, kind of reparenting yourself in a way, um, holding space for that part of you, you know, placing your hand on your chest and being like, that was really uh, brave of me to bring up the fact that to say that I didn't feel seen. That was a really courageous thing to do, to bring it up because it's much easier to just stay in the anger and stay in the fight. 
So acknowledging one that we've done something that maybe felt really hard and scary. Two. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say two. really then speaking to ourselves as if we are the way in which we would like to be spoken to, which is placing our hand on our heart saying, I see you. I see how hard this is. I understand, you know, I, I see why you felt unseen or unheard. That makes so much sense. I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way right now. I love you. Thank you for the courage that you had to show up that way and, you know, share your truth. Thank you so much. I'm here for you. You know, it's almost like you're talking to your body. You're talking to your inner child. You're talking to, you know, uh, that part of you that's feeling unseen, unheard and giving that part, the love and attention it needs. And really it needs that love and attention from you more than anyone else. Because we're the one that builds the relationship with that part. We're the one that carries that part within us. We have to be the one to really repair and reestablish a relationship with that part by acknowledging it, by giving it compassion and grace and love. It sounds so woo-woo, but (laughs) when I think about being a a kid and my mom kissing my boo-boo, and how I felt so relieved or healed immediately after. Yeah. Uh, and the and then you know how a, a massage feels, or how holding hands with someone feels, and and what a pain reliever that is. Mm-hmm. Like touch, you know, consensual, wanted touch. It just is so impactful, even if it's a hug a group yeah. hug, even to huddle up. So this yeah. idea of placing my hands on my chest and talking to myself, because really otherwise it's, it's like negative talk and it's like, yeah. you know, or, you know, whether it's against me or against the world or against whatever. And and so, yeah, to take that time and practice that compassion. And I also love that you talked about recognizing that the other person in an argument is also having an experience that they're trying to now work, work through. And so now you two have to figure out how to take care of yourself for a second before you come. Cause otherwise I think what happens is you say, I don't feel understood and they might get upset or feel or be reactionary. And then you feel like they don't care about you. You go, well, you don't care about me. We make it personal. Yes. Instead of making it like about, Oh, okay. We're both in a space where we need to take a break. Yeah. Get in our bodies and then revisit this. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And so to to fast forward now back to what you were talking about, um, you know, your with your daughter and her throwing a temper tantrum and and then you finding a way to be with her as she's going through that. Talk to me about what that looks like be and and i'm asking this uh for a couple number of reasons one is i'm reading so much about parents like struggling like do you how to um reprimand their kid Mm. you know physically the timeout uh when they throw a tantrum when they're not listening and but what i hear you saying is you're sitting with your child until it disperses what does that look like for the moms out there who have kids who throw tantrums? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a learned activity. Um, I wasn't able to do it right away after that initial event. I really had to, um, I sought out somatic experiencing therapy that really helped me learn how to connect with my body and the wounds, the emotional wounds, the trauma wounds, um, that I held in a way that allowed me to start to open up more space in my system to hold my own emotions. So I learned how to, when I started to feel angry, I learned how to recognize it in my body, to recognize where I held that anger in my body, to recognize the part, the younger part of me that was really holding that anger. Uh, I learned how to uh, speak to that part, just like we were talking about, like showing yourself compassion through it and allowing it to just move, uh, allowing it to move through my body without trying to push it out, without trying to resist it, without trying to judge it, without trying to categorize it, really kind of stepping away and allowing it to move like a wave, like a, you know, wave would that comes in and comes out. And as I would learn how to allow these emotional waves to come through me, I realized that it would get really intense at first. And I could feel that intensity in my body. And the more that I just let it be there and just witnessed it, the more it would move through my body and the sensation would change. And I would start to feel a little less intense and okay, all of a sudden I can breathe a little better. I can, you know, take a deep breath and I can come back to a place where I feel a little bit more grounded and understand and look back and say, oh, well, that anger meant X, Y, and Z, or wow, that anger really reminded me of an experience in my childhood. So as I learned how to ride the waves, if you will, of emotions, that gave me the knowledge and a capacity to understand how to do that for my daughter. Um, and so when she would be in a temper tantrum, I, instead of punishing her and sending her to her room, which would ultimately tell her it's not okay to express your anger. You have to be banished and you can only come back to us when you're feeling better. That wasn't the message I wanted to send to her. Cause as I'm learning how to um, allow my emotions as I'm learning to embrace all of my emotions, my emotional complexity, I want to teach her how to do the same. So when she's having a temper tantrum, it, instead of banishing her to her room, I would let her, I would sit with her. I would sit right next to her and just say, I know you're upset right now. I know you're angry and it makes so much sense. And I'm here with you right here. And I love you. And I'll sit here with you until you're ready to talk. And just like the waves of my own experience, she, her anger would get louder and her anger would get more expressive. And then eventually it would start to get to the other side of that peak of that wave. And she would start maybe to cry and get sad. And I'd say, I see you're crying. I see. It seems like you're sad. Is there something you want to talk about? And eventually, as we did this more and more together, she'd say, yeah, I, I wanted that toy. And you said, I couldn't have that toy. I wanted it, you know, whatever it was that she was sad about. And then she would start to get more calm and more grounded. And we could talk about it. We could have a logical conversation and we could come to some resolution. And then we would move on and we, she would hug me. We'd sit there and hug. 
that touch again, right? That that bringing back to the primal need to feel accepted, to feel connected. So we would hug. I tell her I love you, and then we would, you know, move on with our day. Uh, the hug is everything. Uh, yes. We're being robbed of that. These little yeah. half hugs and fist bumps and mm-hmm. toe touches. I'm not. I'm not into that. I need. <laughs> well you know it's funny i was like looking at other cultures how they greet each other and some of them they uh rub their noses or bump foreheads or they even like cup each other's genitalia like it 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 runs the gamut of how to say hello um you know the emotional mastery we talked about it in terms of relationships uh with, with your significant other with your children um why is this important in the workplace? Yeah. Well, our workplace is just another home, if you will. We have relationships with people that we work with. Even, you know, they're not our our partners. They're not our children, but they're still relationships. We might build friendships. Even with our bosses, maybe the ones we don't really like so much, we still are in relation with the people that we work with. So understanding our own emotional complexity, just like with having that engagement with our partner or our child, it helps inform us in how we can have a relationship with someone we work with. So, you know, we can get triggered at work, just like we can get triggered at home, just like we can get triggered with our partners. Uh, We can get triggered at work. You know, that triggering might be someone trying to rush you to get something done and you're feeling overwhelmed and you get triggered. Like, why do they have to give me all this stuff? Or maybe that trigger is, you know, this, I don't feel like this person sees my potential. They keep giving me crap work and I want to do more. Why don't they see me? I don't feel enough. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel confident, whatever whatever that is, we, we most likely many, if not all of us have experienced something like that in the workplace. And so understanding our ability to regulate and um, manage our own emotional experience will help us show up differently in that experience too. So if I have a relationship with my boss and I don't feel like they're seeing my potential, they giving me crap work, I can dive deeper under that initial maybe trigger or anger and see that, oh, in this situation, I'm actually, I don't feel like I'm being seen. I don't feel like I'm important. I see someone else getting the work and I'm not getting the work. And that's hurtful. That hurts a part of me. A part of me feels forgotten or a part of me doesn't feel like I'm enough. That's our work to do. That's our work to again, go inward and have some self-compassion for that part that's feeling that way. But it also helps us to then have a different conversation with the person that we work for or that relation where we're getting triggered at work. Instead of saying, why don't you, why don't you give me this work? Like I can, I can do this, you know, instead of coming at it with aggression or anger or um, judgment. Now that we understand our place in it, the part that's feeling that way, um, and we understand what's kind of under the hood of this emotion, we might be able to have a different conversation, which is, hey, boss, you know, I, I am really looking 
to grow my skills and abilities. And I feel very confident that I can do this. Um, however, I'm noticing that this work is going somewhere else. And I'd really like to have a conversation about how I can get some of that work too. You know, that's a different conversation than being like, judge, judge, judge. Why don't you do this? Why, why, why? Um, that has a different energy to it and allows them to kind of diffuse in that situation and maybe be more open to a conversation. You know, there's two words that you use, Mandy, that stand out to me. One is invite. You said that earlier, I like to invite them to ask themselves. And I was like, why are you not throwing that invite? Why can't you be like, I want them to ask themselves. But, <laughs> I, but what I love about that word invite is that it makes it sound uh, fun or playful. Mm-hmm. Those really aren't the words I'm looking for. But there's just something lighter about it because nobody wants to be told what to do, first of all. No. So for you to be in, but everybody wants to be invited to something. There's like a fear of missing out. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I'd like to invite you to do the dishes. You know, something <laughs> like... <laughs> We're having a party at the sink. I'd like to invite you over here. <laughs> but but the, the the other word that you use is uh, I'm noticing. And I love that word noticing because it denotes uh, a tapping into the senses. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I'm noticing that, you know, the promotions are going to X or I'm noticing yeah. that, you know, I'm noticing that your music is a little louder than or you know, you're playing this kind of music on Mondays, but on Wednesdays, um, there's something sensory, sensorial. Is that a word uh, with the word noticing? Is there a particular reason why you uh, choose that word? Noticing. Yeah. With both with inviting and with noticing, I really think that they come from a place of curiosity. Um, And when we can come from a place of curiosity, there's less judgment in general about the situation. And it's um, also around free will. We all have free will to, you know, heal ourselves, to work on ourselves, to, you know, stay where we're at. We all have free will um, to do what it is that we want to do. If we're in, if we're in a space where we really want to take the journey of, healing deeper levels of our past and, you know, moving beyond maybe the day to day or wanting to move from survive to thrive, whatever that looks like for you, the more we can be curious about it, the more we will learn and be more open-minded to changing our ways. And so noticing is just another way of being curious. I'm noticing that I feel this way when I walk into this room. I'm noticing that I feel a different way when I walk in a different room. Um, That's curiosity. It's just, oh, okay. There's no, there's no um, judgment of this is right or wrong. There's no categorizing it as it has to be this or that. It's just a way to kind of open our mindset and our and our nervous systems to be a little bit more open to healing and changing in a small or big way. Ooh, I like that. And and it, it also reminds me of what you shared earlier. Yeah, I like that because it is a softer way of, of getting in there. 
I definitely did mm-hmm. not grow up in that kind of household. It was do as I tell you to do. Yes. When I tell you right. before I tell you to do it. And if I got to ask yes. you to yes. do it, you're already right. in trouble. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Earlier you talked about emotional inflammation. Mm-hmm. And I had. So personally, I'm struggling with uh, uh, dysautonomia, which is like some autonomic nervous system, blah, blah, blah. And a part of my brain, the doctor's like, we don't know where, what this is from. A, a lot of it is COVID related. A lot of the new cases are people have COVID and now they have dysautonomia. But there's a part of me that feels like because I am uh, an emotional suppressor, repressor, that it it may it may be an underlying cause of dysautonomia. Mm. But of course, the medical field ain't gonna say nothing about emotional yeah. suppression. Um, but emotional inflammation, can you, can you say more about that? Because I think people probably don't even realize, uh, how their emotions are affecting their health. Yeah, absolutely. Our emotions, what's really interesting and fascinating to me is that the role of our emotions is to allow in what's good, what's healing, what's nourishing, and to keep out what is toxic and unhealthy. And that's the same as for our um, immune system. Our immune system is to bring in what's nourishing, the vitamins, the nutrients, the healthy bacteria, and to keep out the viruses, the bad bacteria, the, you know, uh, all the things that aren't healthy for us. So our immune system and our emotional system have a, the same exact role and they work synergistically with one another in our bodies. So anytime that we are, um, I'll take, uh, my own experience. I experienced a lot of trauma in my childhood and that stress, the stress of that trauma changed my biology and it changes, this is not just for me, this is happens to everybody. <laughs> when we experience a really traumatic event, it changes our biology so that now we are more sensitive to stress. We get stressed faster and easier anytime we have a new stressor come on board because of that initial big stress in our life. Um, and so now we're living in the state of like, I'm, I can get stressed faster. I can get stressed faster more and more times that we get stressed, but also it is, um, impacting that level of stress is impacting our immune system. So that stress holds a charge in our body and it's activating our adrenal glands to ready our body for fight or flight even if we can't do anything about it. So as a child experiencing trauma, if you can't fight or you can't run from that experience, the, the activation in your body to activate your adrenals, to pump out the stress hormones, that process still continues. So essentially what happens is we start to develop a low grade stress response in our body that affects our brain, our body, our immune system, our digestive system. Um, our hormonal system, it impacts every part of us. And the more that we're stressed, the more that we're repressing these emotions and keeping them hidden, just like I said earlier, they grow in the dark in our bodies. They create 
that stress of keeping that emotion contained creates inflammation in our body. And wherever we have a weak spot in our body is where we start to see the results of that show up as symptoms. So for one person that could be, you know, having um, food sensitivities or allergies for another person that could be having diabetes for another person that could be multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis. These uh, types of autoimmune or chronic illnesses that we develop later in life are often the result of years of being in a state of chronic stress and repressing those emotions. And the more we repressed, the more inflammation was being held in our body. And over time, that inflammation deteriorates wherever we have a weak spot in our body. I love that you said bacteria grows in the dark. It just, you know, cause I'm in a, um, an addictions group and we mm. talk about how secrets grow yes. in the dark. Like you can't be sober and secretive. We have to be honest. We have to be open. Um, right. and yeah, when I think about it, girl, it's like bacteria loves like dark, wet, yes, yes. sugar, yes. like, you know, it's <laughs> yes. just sinister. It's just over yes. and it's in an alley, you know, you can't really see it, but you can hear it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's getting bigger. Uh, so yeah, I love that. And, and that's all the more reason to talk to a therapist or talk yeah. to anybody. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to talk to it, but but don't feel like you got to keep it all in. And, um, yeah. And oh, I would just add, ends? yeah, I would just add to just, I think even in understanding that there's a connection between your health state and <clears throat> your childhood experiences or, um, the emotions that you might be repressing, understanding that there's a connection there automatically starts to shift our thinking and and the more that we can explore that and the more that we can get the support and heal from our past, we do start to see biological changes for the better in our body. Um, it may not be overnight and it often isn't overnight, but it is um, a result of really taking the time to um, heal what might be the root cause of that you know, repress that suppression of emotion or the, you know, the early childhood stressors, the more that we can focus on healing the roots of those, the more that we will see changes and changes in our body and feel like we have more control over the experiences. So we may not be able to heal and get rid of that autoimmune condition, but we have more uh, regulation over it. The more that I can regulate my healing of my past, the more I can regulate my emotions, the more I'll experience regulation over my health. And that sounds a lot more, that sounds gentler than saying control, right? Like I, cause I want to control my emotions. Yeah. I want to control my environment and, and I want to control your response, but regulating, managing, I used to work at a, at a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, the manager had by far the hardest job because they're like in between, uh, you know, the owner yeah. and the employees and they get, they're doing the most work, getting the, the least pay. Yeah. And I, I recognize that managing anything, whether it's uh, your workplace or your home or your emotions, it's tough. It's like you'd rather be at the bottom, the very bottom. It was fun 
for me to be uh, the cashier uh, or at the top where you're the CEO. But to be in the middle is like purgatory. Yeah. And so I would imagine that a lot of people that you talk to who are in the middle, middle class, middle management, you know, they're navigating all these different personalities and expectations, people that they have to answer to, people that, that they have to, they really have to be adept at managing their emotions and knowing how to recover so that they don't yeah. get burnt out. A hundred percent. And we're not going to get it right all the time. You know, even, even to this day, I've been on a healing journey for the last 30 years. Um, and I still get it wrong sometimes, <laughs> you know, this is my life's work. Um, but I, I think the more that we do it, the easier it becomes, the faster we can catch it and, you know, get back on track as we learn to ha- learn to regulate those things. But no one's perfect. And the goal isn't to be perfect. The goal is to just make progress day after day. And some days might feel like you go back. Some days may feel like you're moving forward. And that's, that's just how it, how that process works. I think staying committed to your why behind wanting to learn how to regulate emotions, your why behind wanting to heal from your past, the more we can keep that as our North star, even those days where we're not perfect can still be opportunities to learn and grow and continue on that journey. Uh, yeah. Talking about that, why to wrap up quickly here, because I, I know that you hopped in here at the last second and I appreciate this. Um, briefly, how would somebody find their why? So many people are, are very successful, high achievers, but struggling to find meaning purpose in their why. What, what yeah. would, advice would you give them? Yeah. You know, I think, First, taking a look at and just getting uh, reflecting on your values, um, getting a sense for what what's important to me in my life, what's important to me as I continue on this journey, um, and then taking a look at what how am I doing today against these values? Am I close to living with them or in alignment with them? Am I not? the ones that I'm not in close alignment with, you know, which of those do I want to focus on? And just in the fact of choosing one and making that your North star, as you move down that journey, your North star might, might evolve and might expand as you continue down that process of healing. But at first we may not really know what is the point, what is the purpose? um, What is my North star? And I think just getting a sense for what are what's important to you what are your values can be a good starting point to getting there is there anything from your journey mandy that we haven't discussed um that you think would be of value to the listeners well i think i would just say um you know i don't i speak about this content and this as i said has become my life's work because of my past and I've become educated about all of this, but I speak, um, with authenticity and with experience. I've been in those places at rock bottom. I've experienced multiple forms of abuse. I lost my parents both to suicide. I took and attempted to take my own life, had a near death experience and really have take, spent the rest of my life really recovering from those wounds. 
And so I am someone who has been in the trenches. I am someone who has understand or who understands what it's like to feel that immense grief or that anger or that sadness or that just, I want to numb out feeling of like, I can't do this today. And all of that, I would say is okay. Wherever you're at in your journey, whatever steps you're taking, allow that to be good enough. Allow that to be the motivation to continue on the next in the next day or the next hour or the next minute. Sometimes we have to get to that granular of what can I just do in this moment to get me to the next moment. And so I would just say that I've been there. I understand the process. I talk about this because I know it's possible to get from that dark place to a place that feels like you're able to start to thrive and see something beyond the past. So I would just encourage everyone to give themselves a lot of compassion and grace for where they're where they're at and know that there is the possibility of healing and thriving is available to everyone. Thank you so much, Manny. And last question, uh, last two questions. First, how can people find you if they want to connect and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on the socials. I am on Instagram at Mandy L. Harvey. And then my website is MandyLHarvey.com. Uh, you can connect with me in either place. I'm also on Facebook at Mandy Harvey. And that's Harvey with uh, E E Y. E-Y, H-A-R-B-E-Y. It'll be linked in the show notes. And the last question, because I always imagine that there's someone listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting Mm -hmm. to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Mandy? I would say that there is someone in your world that needs you here, that you have an important part in this world, that your life is valuable, that you are valuable, that you are loved, that you are supported in ways that you may not even see in the, in the realm of uh, your immediate room or experience, but your life is important. And there is more than what you're experiencing in this moment, even though it feels like this is the Depths of the depths of the depths of the darkest place. There is something beyond this where you can get past it. There's hope, there's support available. And we love you. We want you to stay and be a part of this world. Thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. Uh, that are available to you, no matter if you're in Colombia, Thailand, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, if you're in Detroit, we got, I, I know Detroit's not international, but sometimes it feels like that. Uh, <laughs> you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. It's a get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Mandy. You're welcome.